0: We thank God for the opportunity to be able to study, looking again at this prodigal, trying to gain an understanding of what uh, Jesus wants us to know and to get out of this text. Uh, I love the fact that he, that we're learning through these, we learn through the parables um, how terrible the Pharisees really were, you know, those gods and the Pharisees. That's we're learning, really, their, I mean, their mindset, and um, pretty Im- unbelievable. Let's go, let's go to God in prayer, please. Righteous God, we praise your holy divine name, and thank you so very much for blessing us, for allowing us this evening to study your word, to become uh, refueled, to have our fire rekindled, to give us the strength, Lord God, to make it into the weekend, fighting against temptation, against the sorrows of the world and struggles of life. Thanking you for Jesus, your great Son, who has granted to us the great hope that we have, knowing, Lord God, that you love us and are watching over us and protecting us, knowing that, Lord God, your plan is the right plan and the only plan. We ask that you will be with our minds tonight, uh, that you will help us to remove the clutter and uh, to be able to focus on your Word. In Jesus' holy and precious name, we do pray and thank Thee to be Thy will. Amen. Uh, Luke chapter fifteen. We're st- we're starting off at um, verse twenty six, and we'll pop back and forth in Luke fifteen tonight. Uh, the first thing I want us to think about is in verse twenty six, and he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. So the older son. Later in the text, we'll read he's going to say, "I'm just a servant," and the word "servant" that he uses, the word for slave, if you will, or uh, you know, a hired servant, and, and and that that wasn't that wasn't who he was, but that's what he saw in himself. Uh, the prodigal was willing to come home and work. Remember, he humbled himself and said, um, I'll, "I'll work as just a hired man. I'll be a servant, knowing." that he would have to work under his brother. But he was willing to to come and work under his brother as a servant um, because he recognized something and thought about something about his father's... And I'm going to call it business. I don't know what else to call it tonight. Um, You know, the farm is a very successful farm, a very successful business. Luke 15 and verse 17. um, But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men... Have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. And so there's plenty. Now the idea is that God, when you surrender to God, there's there's plenty, plenty of good. And so he looks back to his father's house and he sees there's plenty. So so here the older brother um, is a manager of a successful company. Okay? He's not this servant. Uh, in fact, remember in verse twenty nine. Uh, he asked a question, he says, "But he answered and said to his father, "Look, for so many years, I have been serving you, uh, and I have never neglected a command of yours, and yet you have never given me a kid that I might be married with my my friends but he said i 've been serving you for so many years that that 's kind of a problem, and I want to think about for just a moment that problem. So the Pharisees were in the a part of the sanhedrin. Um you know, a part of the high court and and they they were maybe more so dutiful in that not that they were obedient to God but they were dutiful in their relationship with each other they were they were serving, but they were serving not God Jesus says they were serving themselves right but even even serving themselves, they were serving and in their service uh in this Wrestling match of, of power and authority, uh, they were very, very bitter in their hearts. Okay, uh, and that word, that word, servant, is is the word I want to key in on in in just a moment. And asking a question: um, With all these years of working for your in, in your father's business, do you not see the blessing in that? And I don't. He didn't see the blessing in that because to him, he was just this this servant. He didn't see himself as a son, but rather more as a, a a servant, and he was focused on the reward. and His mind was all about, you know, I've got to work to receive this reward, and not, not for love's sake. So here's a question to ask yourself: um, Do you see yourself as a servant of God or a child of God? And I thought, you know, what a what a great question to ask coming from this prodigal because what we should see is seeing ourselves as children of God who have the opportunity granted to us to serve our wonderful father. Right? And so the older brother, instead of seeing that he's not a servant, he's not hungry, his father's taken care of him, the business is successful, it's it's already his. He's got everything everything's going well for him. And here's this blessed opportunity to serve uh his father in this relationship and be a good manager uh of, of the other servants in the field, or the servants in the field, he saw it more like, you know, this is just work. Right? And and instead of seeing it as an opportunity and serve out of love, he was serving more out of out of a you know duty, if you will. This is my job, this is my responsibility. And and sometimes in our service to Christ when we see ourselves as just a servant, you know, I just I have to serve. Um oh, we have to go to church, right? Worship. We have to go to Bible study. Instead it ought to be, you know, because of the great love that we have for our father who loves us, instead it's oh, I can't wait to have an opportunity to do the things that my father, our father has asked us to do, to serve one another, to fellowship to love each other, to encourage one another, to lift each other up. All the things that God asks of us to do that God does for us himself. And so to see yourself only as a servant, um, it probably isn't the right way to see ourselves, but rather seeing ourselves as children of God who have been granted an opportunity to serve our wonderful Creator uh, and Father. Looking back at the son, the older son, The older son, i got to speculate just a little bit, but here's what we figure he must have known. The older son, he knew the younger son left. And I'm going to speculate and say, maybe he knew why he was leaving and what he was going to do. And I only grabbed that because later in the text, he goes on to say that this son of yours went off and spent all your money with prostitutes. Well, how did he know that? because he didn't know what was going on anyway with the celebration, et cetera. And all of a sudden, the son comes back, and he says, this is what he was doing. And the only way that he knew that, I would assume, is that maybe they you know, were in some kind of conversation they were engaged in at some point. The older son knew that his younger brother had returned. The older son knew that his older brother, younger brother rather, returned safe and sound. Right? That's that's important. And he knew the father was so excited. Right? And he laid it with joy because his son, whom, you know, again, we're talking, he'd been gone for probably a few, you know, for years. I don't know how many years, but, you know, the famine comes, and we, we talked about that a, a bit ago. But he came back not dead. He came back alive. and He came back humble, and he came back spiritual-minded. He came back. He came home. Uh, in, in every way. And yet, there was no rejoicing in the older brother, but there was rejoicing in the father. And he knew that a third of that inheritance had been given away. And now that this younger brother is coming back, maybe the father would give him some more of that inheritance. And uh, it bothered him. And I want to think about this for just just a moment. Go to Proverbs 24, 26. Proverbs 26 and verse 24 now I want us to think about a few things with regards to um, a self-centeredness, a self-centered mindset. Proverbs 26 and verse 24. There the Bible says, He who hates disguises it with his lips, but he lays up deceit in his heart. And when he speaks graciously, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred covers itself with gull, His wickedness will be revealed before the assembly, and so there's this this idea where this pe this person pretends to love you, but really they hate you. And while they're talking to you, in their heart, in their mind, there's a bunch of wickedness and evil that is present. And so that's what we're witnessing in the older brother. We're witnessing this this hateful, dutiful attitude in regards to his younger brother, but not just his brother. I want you to think about, as we continue with the older brother and eventually get to the father, how the older brother feels about the father at this, at this moment. I think we talked about that just a little bit last week. 27 of Proverbs, verse 4. Wrath is fierce and anger is a flood, but who can stand before jealousy? The older brother is very jealous. He is so angry, the text is going to tell us, that he is so angry. Go back to Luke chapter 15. He is so angry that he not only refuses to rejoice, he refuses to rejoice with his father, even hypocritically, if you will. So there's the question that comes up in verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. The scribes and Pharisees were so callous, so evil. And this is what Jesus wants us to get. They didn't even care. His brother... The elder brother didn't even care about his life. His younger brother's life was meaningless to him. He didn't care if he died out there in the the field, in the wilderness, or wherever he was. He didn't care uh, uh, that he had come home and repented, and now his soul is in in a better place with God. He didn't care about the younger brother's salvation. He had a heart like Cain kind of reaching way back to Genesis chapter 4 now a heart like Cain who didn't think about his mother he didn't think about his father he didn't think about his brother he only thought about himself and so in Genesis 4 and verse 5 but Cain and for his offering he had no regard so Cain became very angry and his countenance fell then the Lord said to Cain why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. And so here's this relationship situation that, you know, Cain only cared about himself. He had this, this self-righteous attitude, self-satisfaction, only myself. I don't care if my brother dies. I don't care the pain and agony I'm going to put him through. I don't care about mom who's going to suffer, my other relatives who are going to, going to suffer. I don't care about the, my father who's going to suffer. All I care about is myself. Brethren, this is the attitude that Jesus wants us to, to gain an understanding of because this is the attitude of the scribes and Pharisees. Remember, these are the ones that murdered Jesus Christ. Right? The scribes and Pharisees concocted a plan to kill Jesus only for their own benefit, only for themselves. And so, I mean, Jesus hit the nail on the head, uh, every time he's told a parable, every time he speaks, you can just realize and understand it and really get a good, um, understanding of the depth of what he's trying to tell us of what's in the heart of these people. And it, it was a terrible thing. Reaching Reaching forward, still reaching back from Luke, reaching forward to Jonah, Jonah chapter four, verses um, verse one and verse two. What about the attitude of Jonah? Think about that for just a moment. You know, we're, you know. So, so here is what we know: the Bible tells. There is a thread from Genesis to Revelation, and the thread. Uh, you could take any subject, any topic, any idea, and at least in principle. You'll follow that thread all the way from the Old Testament into the New Testament, from Genesis to Revelation. And here's this thread of the evil heart of humanity. What's actually going on up here? Uh, as James says, in between the ears. What is going on? So the Pharisees, what was going on in their head that you, you and I would never know unless Jesus revealed it? Remember Jesus said in the Bible, it, the Bible says rather, Jesus knowing their thoughts. He knew their hearts. And then he told a parable. Well, Jonah, chapter 4, verse 1. But it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. This is after they repented. And he prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity. He says, I was so angry, God, because I I knew you were going to... So I went the other way. I didn't want these people to be saved. And so I went the other way. And God says, you're not looking at this, Jonah, the way that I want you to. I need your focus to be on this, on souls. I remember... When, I don't know. It was a few, maybe a few years ago, when there was a big issue um, in America, and, and it's still present to this day. But uh, there were, you know, the idea of, and this isn't a political statement, but let me just let me just give you an idea. Uh, you know, people are running from the other, you know, countries to come here, and this preacher says, you know, maybe we're looking at this the wrong way, and I agree with what he what he said. Instead of us going to evangelize them praise God, he's sending them, and we can evangelize them here. And so it's like, you know, because we have forgotten, we'd forgotten, you know, wherever, where he was located in the lower 48, he was telling his congregation, we have forgotten that our job is not to be in the government, if you will, not that it's a sin to be in the government, but our job is to send, save souls. And if there's a soul in front of us, our job is not to judge that soul, but rather to teach them Jesus Christ. And it was a great perspective that uh, he brought to the church to help them To recognize they needed to go out and evangelize even, you know, whomever it is that, uh, uh, that was coming across that needed to be spoken to. Praise God for that attitude. Right? That's the right kind of attitude when it comes to humanity. Not, Jonah, don't see a foreign nation that you don't like. Nineveh, the Assyrians. Instead, see souls, Jonah. See souls. Do we see souls? That's the question. That's what Jesus is trying to get at in this parable is that this older brother did not see the soul being saved. Do you realize if his soul wasn't saved, that means he goes to hell forever? What what a tragedy, right? No, that's not what we should want for anyone. But that was the attitude of the scribes and Pharisees. Remember, they would put you out of the synagogue and not allow you to come worship God if you acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God. In other words, they were not concerned about your soul. They were concerned about your money. And they were concerned about their power, and they were concerned about their their fame. It was terrible. So Jonah likewise was not concerned about the souls of those of Nineveh, and the whole the whole city repented. The capital city of Assyria repented. Wow! And God saved them. What a what a blessing! Look at verse eleven. Verse nine, rather. Verse nine. Jonah 4. Now Then God said to Jonah, Do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, I have a good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. And should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? Don't be self-absorbed, Jonah. Focus on souls. Right? Focus on souls. How important that is. Fairness, justice, those take a, a you know, a, a back um, a backward step when we're concerned about souls. Because it's easy to demand fairness and justice for myself and neglect the, uh, the idea of fairness and justice for others. Or it's easy to, to, to gain an understanding and a desire for fairness and justice for myself and neglect mercy and compassion. For others. And this is what this account is about. Let's go back to Luke chapter 15. It's about mercy and compassion. And the question is, when it comes to my heart, how much mercy and how much compassion is in my heart? It's a great question. So back to the elder brother, verse 25 and 26. Now his older son was in the field, And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So you can imagine what happens, right? He's out in the field, and he's been, you know, he's he's worked. I mean, he's a manager, so not as hard as a servant, but he's worked. And he gets home and he hears this music, and you know what happens when you hear music, you're dancing, and you, you know you're like, "Wow, what's going on? I mean he's pretty excited this is this is great, right? this is wonderful, I don't know what's going on, but I can't wait to get in there and figure out what's happening and join the festivities and then comes verse twenty six and summoning one of his servants, he began inquiring what these things might be, and he said to him, "Your brother has come." And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. So can you just imagine that? Here's the picture, right? Scribes and the Pharisees and the elder brother all together and they hear this music and dancing and they're excited. on what's going on in there? What's happening? And then God, God for what? My brother came home and they're, they're celebrating because the sinner came home, and that's what the picture is in Luke 15, 1 and 2. Jesus is teaching all the sinners, and you can imagine how happy they are to hear the message of God, and the scribes of Pharisees are sitting back, standing back, murmuring, saying, I can't believe he's talking to sinners. What's wrong with Jesus? What's wrong with God? That's kind of an interesting question, right? If looks could kill, so listen to what happens in verse 28. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. Why was he angry? Right? Why are you angry, Jonah? Why are you angry, uh, Cain? Why are you angry? Where are you now? I love those questions that God asks uh, in the Bible. You know, where are you now? We did that just, uh, for the focus. Uh, why, where are you now? Why are you angry? Do you really, honestly and truly, have a good reason to be angry? You ever ask yourself that question when you were really angry at maybe your spouse um, or someone else? You ever have taken a step back and asked yourself the question, do I really have a good reason to be angry? So he was in this in this passage, the word there is enraged. It's not just angry. He was literally enraged. He was very, very upset, selfish, self-centered, envious, jealous. And he says, I'm not going in there. So he's standing outside, and he became angry and was not willing to go in and whatever he's doing over here his father realizes after some time hey where's our elder son the, uh, this brother has come home and what a what a beautiful blessing and what a gift and what what a wonderful thing what he he won't come in he's refusing to come in his but his brother has come home and he's safe and he's sound and everything's wonderful and in this great I'll go get him. I'll go talk to him. Let me go talk to him. And you can imagine, we'll get to this with the Father, but the heartbreak, the heartbreak of the Father over the attitude of the elder brother who refuses to rejoice over one sinner who repents, rather over the 99 that need no repentance. You can imagine the the heartbreak. I mean, imagine in your own family. You know, there's a prodigal. Maybe you were the prodigal. and You come home when well, that child comes home. And the excitement and the joy, they've come back to the Lord. They've come back home. They've, they're have they saved. They're sound. They're back in their right mind. They've come to their senses. Praise God, just so excited. And one of your siblings comes in and doesn't just get angry at the brother who comes home but gets angry, enraged at you too for accepting them. Jesus wants us to gain an understanding of this picture, of this account that He's giving to us through this parable. You threw a party for your Son, verse 27, I'm going to read this again. He said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he's received him back safe and sound. Verse 28, but he became angry and was not willing to go in and his father came out and began entreating him. But later the text is going to say, I can't believe you did this for your son. He wasted one-third of our estate. Am I really supposed to be happy? You know, as if he's going to talk some sense to his father. Why would I join you in this party for a stranger? The elder brother, it it isn't that he wasn't or didn't have the opportunity to be happy. It's that he refused to be happy. In other words, happiness is a choice. He refused to be happy. So in his mind, in the mind of the Pharisees, in the mind of the scribes, God is in front of us, you can't help but to rejoice. How could you be upset with God? Unless in your heart, there's insensitivity, there's legalism, there's hatefulness, there's self-righteousness, there's disrespect. Unless in our own eyes, there's this mindset of superiority, not just over our brethren, but over God Himself, right? Uh, the Pharisees and, and the scribes. There was no love, there was no grace. There's no honor for God. And here's the sad thing. When you, when you look at the text, and, and by the way, um, thank you for allowing me to, to just ramble on through the rest of the, through this class because it was designed to, these are questions we were supposed to discuss. But, we, you know, it is what it is. When you, when you think about the text, I wonder um, how much of this he realized was actually in his heart, the the elder brother. You know, how much, you know, you, you read the Bible, and, and, and the Bible does something. So the Word of God exposes sin, right? Remember uh, Paul in Romans 7, I believe it is, he talks about coveting. and the law not said, thou shalt not covet, you know, I would not knowing about coveting. But then when I read the law, I realized there was coveting everywhere in my heart. And and God, when He comes to people and He speaks to them through this parable, they recognize, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, He's talking about us. And then there's this realization. The eyes are open. Um, the the veil is lifted. The blinders go away. And you realize, oh, wait a minute, Jesus is talking to me. And so this is supposed to cause a response in in the positive, where a person repents and turns his life around and comes back to God. But I wonder, I wonder how much of this in the text the brother realized about himself. For he felt like he needed no repentance, scribes and Pharisees. They needed no repentance. He says this, Jesus says this over and over again throughout uh, the Scriptures, God is going to forgive the poor, the prostitutes, the publicans, the tax collectors, whomever else you can think of that's out there living a wicked and evil life, whether we like it or not, if they come to God with repentant hearts, surrendering their lives to Jesus in the waters of baptism. He's going to forgive them. If If they're poor and smelly or whatever it is in their life, Or in their mind or in their heart that you may or we may or may not like about them. God is going to forgive them whether we like it or not. But our attitude should not be like the Pharisees. Our attitude should be like God's. Excited over the forgiveness that has been granted to us. But also granted to another or the other individual. Does God overlook our sacrifices? I'm gonna come right back to that in just a moment. Cause I know it's, you know, when you think about life, you go, well, you know, well, this guy came, remember the parable that some worked in the morning, they worked all day, some worked part of the day, some worked the other part of the day, and then there was a group that came the last hour? And there was grumbling like, whoa, wait a minute. This guy is 96 years old, and he just came to Christ, and God's gonna forgive him? Yeah, just like he'll forgive the 15 year old that gets baptized into Christ and serves him throughout all of his life. It doesn't matter. And it shouldn't matter to us unless we have the heart and the problem that the Pharisees have. Resentment. You feel as though you're a good person. And so when you look around the world and we see um, other people, it doesn't matter how you look at them uh, in the sense of you know um, where they live, but when you look at other people, do we see ourselves as good people? Like we're the, we're the good ones. Do we see ourselves the way that God expects us to see ourselves? There's no man good, not even one. There's not a man on earth who lives and does not sin. All of us are in the same boat, right? Verse 29. But he answered and said to his father, look. For so many years, I have been serving you. And I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet, you have never given me a kid that I might be married with my friends. Duty. Look at me, God. Look at all the stuff that I've done. Does that sound like Judgment Day? Yeah, Jesus, remember the Matthew chapter 7? He said that. Many will say to me on that day, Lord. Lord, have we not, and then we list these things that we've done, duty, perspective. He definitely had an improper perspective or understanding of his own personal life. Because he said, I've never, that's hyperbole, isn't it? I've always done good. No, really? (laughs) I've never, okay. Okay. I have never neglected a command. Now, in verse 29, he uses or refers to himself five times. This is that self-centered attitude. He he says, I, me, and my. <laughs> I, me, and my. And, you know, this is what I've, he just, he felt betrayed. He felt um disrespected by, remember, we're talking about God, okay? I know we're talking about the Father, but we're talking about God. Do you feel be- betrayed? Oh, no, I'm not disrespected, unappreciated. Feel unappreciated by God? You look around, you see the world, and you say, "You know, you know, I don't understand. I mean, I'm living my life, and why am I? Why, why do I have to get this? Why do I have to get this illness? Or why, why is this happening to my family? Or well, what about that guy over there? You look at at some of the people then." You know, even in some of the movies that we've seen, maybe you know, years past. Why why is the good the good guy always dies, right? The bad guy always lives, you know, right? Or whatever happens, you know, why? Why does why does bad things happen to good people? Why me, God? Do you ever feel unappreciated by? Well, gotta be honest, God, and perhaps um, a little unloved. You know, I mean, how many more chances is he going to get? I mean, here, here's here's this guy that, that doesn't love God. He's disrespectful. He rude. He's rude. Listen to how he talk. Listen to what he does. And and yet, oh, or you 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 hear, you read the newspaper, and you you read about a drunk driver who's driving and he he crashes car and and comes out unscathed, and he's killed, murdered a, a family and, and children. It's tough, right? But God doesn't want us to see it. Life through those eyes. God wants us to see life through His eyes. He wants us to gain a great understanding of of, of His control and His power and His love. Here's what happens if um, if I don't if I don't have the mindset that God wants me to have, then I become dutiful and I, I expect a reward. Right, I look at my life at you know balance. I say, well, today I've done X, Y, Z. Therefore, God owes me a reward. Maybe I would never say that, but in my heart, the way I live my life, the way I'm thinking, God owes me a reward. And and what happens is when 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 nothing but good happens to us, we we don't quite depend on God for our every breath, do we? I mean, when when everything's going smooth, I mean, it's kind of easy to forget God, isn't it? It's kind of easy to, um, to live our lives as if God doesn't even really exist if everything's going perfectly in this world. This world is not designed to be heaven, it's just a stopping ground as we, as we go through. And, and when I look at myself as being good or um, righteous, then I think about my rights all the time, don't no, I? My rights, me, me, me. Maybe there's something more to this account, to this parable, that we ought to think about personally. If I am a good person, I'm not going to really say this, but you know, God, you kind of owe me. (laughs) Again, Jesus gave us at the end of the Sermon on the Mount the reality of Judgment Day that many people, many people, right? The wide gate, the broad gate, many people are going to look to God and look Him in His face, if you will. Right? Look Him in His face and argue with Him as to why they deserve to be saved. That's the Pharisees, you know? I mean, all the things they did as a dutiful child or a dutiful son, uh, if you will, they deserved God's mercy. They deserved God's care. I want to look at Hebrews chapter 6. I've always, I've always been there for you, God. Um, but you know, you never, you never gave, you never gave me. You never, you never had a party for me, God. I'm going to come back in, in just a second. I, w- I, wanna, I want you to think about something. I want you to never forget this passage, please. None of us. Hebrews 6, verse 9. But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you. And things that accompany salvation... Though we are speaking in this way. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward His name in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. God will never, ever be unjust and forget what you've done for Him. Not that we owe or are owed anything, but never view life in Christ thinking that God will forget what you have done. I love to think about when something is done that that took a bit of a sacrifice. Even if no one says thank you, I love the idea of knowing that God thanks me. I love the scriptures where it says, if you give to the poor, the Bible says you're lending to the Lord and He will repay. What a great idea. What a great thought. I love the scriptures that, Teach us that God is a rewarder for those who diligently seek Him, right? I mean, you have to love the idea and understand that God will never, ever forget the beautiful deeds, the sacrificial deeds that we have done. But never look at life as if God owes us because we did a deed or practiced the deed. Instead, be like the Father... And be thankful that a soul is saved. Whether it was at my hands, meaning I had an opportunity to share Scripture, or I had nothing at all to do with it, praise God for another soul being saved. In fact, just yesterday, yesterday, um, this picture came in. It was from Africa. Picture came in, no words to it, just a soul going under the water. Like, praise God, he's still saving folks. Even during the pandemic, God is still in the saving business. Our hearts have to change, uh, and be conformed rightly to the will of God. That's what our hearts, our hearts need to do. What I want to do, uh, let me just, well, let me try to finish, uh, just this one little point here, and then we'll, we'll end a little early. Should God forgive the Pharisees and the scribes for their attitude? Remember the cross? And and, and what did they do? They mocked Him? And they spat on Him? The, The Romans did. And they stirred up a crowd to say crucify Him and all the things that went on, should God have forgiven them? If we think, well, no, he probably shouldn't have because they were really, they're bad people. Maybe that's the wrong attitude. (laughs) But have you ever thought that? Have you ever thought to yourself, you know, you know, If I were the guy that it was my job to put the spike in his wrist, I think I deserve forgiveness. You ever talk to your neighbors and they say things like, I've done so much wrong that I can never be forgiven? And what did Jesus say about the guy that pierced him? Even those who pierced him will see him. And he said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We could use this account to save souls, even save our own. Brother, what a beautiful account. And so we're going to get through, low willing, we'll get through the older brother next week. And then we get into the great positives. Right, behold the kindness and severity. But the great positives of God and the great forgiveness of God and the great love of God. But God wants us to work through something before we get to forgiveness. He wants us to work through repentance. Repentance has to happen in the heart before forgiveness can take place. Thank you for your time tonight. God bless you.